This is the Westwards podcast, a fortnightly production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. Western Sydney is located on the traditional lands of the Darug, Gunungurra and Tharawal nations, and we acknowledge and offer our respects to all Indigenous people and to their Elders past, present and emerging. Opinions and views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the Westwards organisation. If you'd like to ask questions, offer feedback or simply learn more about what we do at Westwards, please visit westwards.com.au. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the first ever Westwards podcast, a fortnightly collection of news, views and interviews from the heart of Western Sydney. It's the 27th of January 2020. I'm your host, James Roy, and in addition to my work as a writer for young people, I'm the Blacktown and Blue Mountains Program Manager for Westwards. In today's podcast, we'll be looking forward to what this year holds while we look back at what we achieved in 2019. We'll chat with actor, musician and debut novelist Peter Valentine Fenton. We'll check the news from the Westwards Centre for Writing in Parramatta and more. So please stay with us. So you may be wondering, what is Westwards? We're a Western Sydney literature organisation dedicated to celebrating and championing the stories of the people, places and cultures that comprise the heart of this region. Our main office in the Westwards Centre for Writing is based in Parramatta, but we work right across this huge region, which extends from Parramatta in the east to Mount Victoria in the west, the Hills District and the Hawkesbury in the north and northwest, and to Norellan, Campbelltown and Liverpool in the south. Western Sydney is the third largest economy in Australia after CBD Sydney and Melbourne, has a population of almost 2.5 million people. These 2.5 million residents come from more than 170 countries and speak over 100 different languages, with many suburbs having over or around 80% of residents from a non-English speaking background. Western Sydney is Australia's major centre of settlement for immigrants, and this region also boasts the largest Indigenous population in Australia. So it's a big, diverse area, and like any area where people assemble, stories need to be told. A guiding philosophy of Westwards is a belief in the power of literature and literacy, and by that we mean written, oral and visual literacy, self-expression and creativity to change lives and the experience of communities. Through our comprehensive and expanding program of workshops, residencies, fellowships and support for writers, we offer professional opportunities for the growth of distinctive voices. So that's Westwards in a nutshell. And you can find out more by going to our website at westwards.com.au. 2019 was a big year for Westwards. We ran a comprehensive program of workshops, masterclasses, after-school writing classes, holiday workshops, writers' groups, monthly slams, monthly poetry readings, launches and author events. Importantly, we employed 104 professional writers and illustrators, of which roughly two-thirds were from Western Sydney. And we ran 148 events, offered targeted developmental opportunities to individual writers and illustrators, including residencies, mentorships, uh, partnerships with such organisations as Varuna, the Writers' House in the Blue Mountains, Pinarolo, the Children's Book Cottage at Blackheath, Parramatta Artist Studios, Sydney Review of Books, and other organisations as well. We also project-managed 
a number of writing competitions, including Youth Write from City of Parramatta and Parramatta Libraries, the 2019 Mayoral Creative Writing Prize from Blacktown, and the Blake Poetry Prize. So that's some of the programs we've delivered this year and some of the work we've done, but we've got a lot more coming up. And each fortnight as we release this podcast, we will be giving you more details about what's coming up. One of the things that we're about at Westwards is telling stories. And we're always very impressed when we find someone who tells stories in a number of different disciplines. And one such person is Peter Valentine Fenton. Peter is a musician. He's a founding member of the band Crow. Uh, an indie band from the 1990s that supported such artists as Jeff Buckley and Nirvana. He was also an actor. He was in the movie Praise and the ABC TV series Love is a Four-Letter Word, which many of us remember fondly. And uh, he is now a debut novelist with a middle-grade book that has been published by Scholastic Australia. It's a lovely book about a young boy uh, in the late 1970s who lives in Canberra, Goes, to holiday, goes on holiday to the south coast town of Tarthra. And uh, this, is, this boy, Toby, is a wonderful character. He's, he's caught between that weird place that we all go through, uh, between childhood and adulthood. And uh, he's a very gentle character. He's got a strong sense of justice. And it's a timely book at a time when we're discussing things like toxic masculinity and how that comes about and, and what we do about that. Some people have suggested that it uh, is reminiscent of Colin Tealy. He's got some wonderful illustrations throughout as well. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get Peter on the line to have a chat about his book and how he's made the transition from being musician and actor to author. How are you, Peter? Yeah, good, James. Thanks for having me on your show. Look, that's okay. Um, you're, you're our first guest. This is our first podcast episode, so, um, so big props to you. Um, you and may be you. our last, depending on how things go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you've very kindly agreed to come up to take part in our um, polydactyl, Hemingway's Polydactyl Kitten Club and Speakeasy uh, <laughs> on the first Monday of, of February, which I think is the third, at seven till nine at the Avalon Cocktail Bar. And for now, I'm sure, Peter, you'd like to know why it's called Hemingway's Polydactyl Kitten Club and Speakeasy, wouldn't you? Yeah, would, would you mind elaborating? <laughs> More than, oh, I'm glad you asked. Um Apparently, Ernest Hemingway had a bit of a, a bit of a penchant for cats with extra toes, polydactyl cats. And right. so if you go to his house in Florida, there's all these cats living there who have extra toes, polydactyl cats, uh, that are direct descendants of Hemingway's cats. So we just thought it would be a nice little conceit to have, um, have a slightly strange name, since the, the venue where we meet is this very cool kind of Cuban slash Florida art deco you know, mm. chic kind of thing going on that's uh, very atmospheric. So you're going to be joining us and telling us, uh, regaling us with some stories and talking to us about the process of the book and, and so forth. But um, if we can just have a little chat today just to whet the appetite a little bit. Yeah, um, sure. you, you were an actor first or you were a musician first. Certainly you weren't a writer first. Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey from those two disciplines through to this one. Well, I, um, I certainly um, had a music background and, and I... Um, have been writing music ever since I could remember, like I was sort of 10 or something. When I, Even younger, when I first wrote a song about a, um, a an Irish, um, what was his name, Bobby Sands, the Irish political prisoner who, um, like, I, I, I don't know what was going through my mind, but at age sort of like, 
eight, nine or ten or something, I decided that uh, I was going to write a song. And that's something that um, has intrigued me ever since, and I see them um, much like sort of um, uh, time capsule puzzles or something that, you, that you're able to create. And um, it's very uh, subconscious, and uh, I complicate things further by detuning the guitar and writing from shapes that I can find on the guitar. So they, um, so um, a little secret between you and I is that I, when I'm playing a song, I don't actually know what the music is called or what the chords are or anything. So I know uh, sort of roughly, but um, anyway, so um, I did that through the 90s and, um, you know, did... Um, was of America and played around Australia and played with a lot of um, the big sort of alternative sort of um, bands of the day, uh, Nirvana, Jeff Buckley we did two little tours with and just to show you the range of, um, when I say alternative, it sort of means, um, you know, in- interesting artists who, um, well, not in Nirvana's case, but we yet to, to sort of break through and have commercial success. Um, yeah, I was going to say that if you're triangulating where you sat, if you're using Nirvana as, and uh, Jeff Buckley as your um, triangulation points, that puts point, you in an interesting yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, so then um, uh, it was sort of the late 90s, I guess, and I, um, I'd been having a couple of meetings in beer gardens with a film director, well, he it was a music video maker called uh, an American called John Curran, and I was so um, astonished by his storytelling um, and his ideas just completely on the fly, kind of as we sort of tried to develop ideas to work on doing something for a song. That um, that I must have sat there sort of uh, mute um, in in a, in a way because he. Uh, already cast the film Praise and a couple of weeks after um, our meetings rang the producer at sort of like one o'clock in the morning and said, I, I, we have to recast, I, I, I found the character. And um, so they got me in, I did a screen test that got me through the first door, then, then I went and had a week acting 101, I'd never acted before, um, then I... Then I eventually landed the role. I did the the um, did the film that sort of in, you know that went really well. Um, Travelled around the world with that, and um, then did a sort of an ABC TV series. Oh, that was uh, Love Is a Four Letter Word, which um, which was a great show. It also had a very good soundtrack, I recall. That's correct. Yeah, it was yeah, it was good. Where music versus the pokies. Um, was the sort of the um, one of the narrative threads? Um, then, then what happened? I, I um, survived on, you know, did a whiskey commercial in the pool and uh, voiceovers, and just sort of survived. And and I was still releasing music, and I did different sort of projects that um, um, were very satisfying and did quite well. And then about five years ago, I could see that I was heading into, um, you know, kind of October, November, and I got 
uh, scared about, you know, sort of Christmas and Australia sort of essentially closes down for mm. two, two or three months and I had no income. And so I jumped into a role um, at a music uh, rights organisation, APRA AMCOS, mm-hmm. um, and I was commuting in from sort of the northwest of Sydney into um, Ultimo in, in the middle of Sydney. And that um, was about an hour, hour and a half each way. And so I looked around me. I knew I had this time that um, I didn't know what to do with that. So, you know, sometimes I'd read and, you know, I just kind of noticed that people were, were quite happy um, to sit around doing playing Candy Crush or watching sort of soccer videos. So I realised that the time, I didn't want to waste the time on the phone, I've got there's a there's an uh, application called uh, Notes, and so I just kind of clicked that open, and I just wrote literally with my index finger wrote um, what essentially is sort of the beginning of the third chapter, but it, it's something like uh, the boy who looks like a dugong uh, stands um, on the shoreline, willing the waves back to the the centre of the ocean, the ocean's blue heart, you know where the waves come from you know it was sort of like pretty I didn't know what it was so I just kind of wrote it and then I closed it down and then uh, <laughs> went back to playing Candy Crush. Um, <laughs> well it's interesting so I've, got, I, I've got a note here sorry to interrupt I've got a note here that um, that Waves from the Ocean's Blue Heart was a ri- one of your original titles or perhaps the original title. Um, that's, and it, that's uh, correct and yeah it, yeah the Ocean's Blue Heart and uh, and, what, and it ended up being the days of in between. Uh, I guess we'll get to that. But what what led to that change in in title? There was a really early conversation with Claire Halifax at Scholastic Books mm. um, that blue usually doesn't work in a title or heart or something. There was something sort of um, wasn't quite right. So I I remember I had like a page, a full scat page full of kind of titles mm-hmm. um, and. Suddenly, you know, the, the days of in-between sort of crystallises. Um, and, and I guess that's where the book is sort of pitched in terms of the characters, Toby and Tara, where we're sort of looking at that, that time between childhood and adolescence, which is a pretty challenging time for, for most people. Um, but I, I, I guess it's also touching on that time of year as well, which you, which you actually kind of touched on earlier when you're talking about that dead time over, over Christmas. So I, between you and me, I, I think that the uh, final title was vastly superior to the original one. <laughs> yeah, for what it's worth. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it too, and yeah. hence the the change. Yeah, right. um, yeah, but but um, also the the young character Toby, you know, is sort of in between uh, his parents. You know, he's sort of in between houses. He uh, is in between schools. He's in between primary and um, secondary school. Yeah, he's in between sort of childhood and sort of um, teenage years. Something that I've, I haven't spoken to a lot of actors in my in my time, but I've spoken to plenty of writers. And, and one of the things that we talk about as writers is the motivation for a character and working out what a character wants um, being what pretty much drives the story. But then I also hear actors talk about this, you know, the motivation, how they drive the their, their character and how they make their character behave is based very much on what that character's internal workings are. Did you find yourself going back on your acting chops when you're doing the writing or vice versa? 
there was a there's a great piece of um, instruct, instruction for acting um, devised by the writer David Mamet. Um, it's called Practical Aesthetics, and um, it's every line of a script you can go through and you apply a principle called um, as if and say so say it's as if when I was uh, nine my uh, sister fell off her bike or, or um, it's as if when someone told me you know you apply things to to you can really break down the script it helped me um, I guess uh, settle into characters um, I, I um, if I had to write dialogue or I had to look through their eyes I mean, the, the, the book originally starts as a 10 or 11 um, chapters short story. And with, with the, and I send that um, to um, the publisher. And then they uh, ring and say, do you want to work on this? And I said, okay, all right, you win. Let's work <laughs> on this. And one of the questions, you know, so we set up in sort of Google Live documents and then little notes would appear between, you know, on the side of my, where, what I'd written mm. and what else is happening here. And so it was odd the, 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 that the mind is able to um, sort of, I could look around the, in my imagination and, and see other things in the room or at the wharf or, mm. or whatever. So um, I think it probably just goes to, to character more than anything that, that, that it helps you sort of um, devise um, and and, and in a way inhabit um, characters. You were from Canberra originally, weren't you? Is this is that yeah. correct? And, and so you, went, you right. would go to places like Tartha and South Coast for your holidays. Um, do you still holiday down that way? No, I don't have any family in Canberra and um, I barely get to Canberra and, and, um, and trips um, these days are... are um, you know, dependent on, I, you know, I travel a lot for, you know, I still travel a lot for, for music. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a long time since I, I, I stayed in a caravan. Um, and But I, I did go down to Tanja, which is um, very close to Tatra. And um, I, um, what's that called? Um, Louise Morris uh, Navigate Arts right. um, down there beautiful old church mm. um, uh, it, it was odd sort of the, the, the sensation of um, recognizing the landscape that I'd written mm. um, and and as we drove in I, I had the odd sensation of um, driving into your own novel which right. was a, a little unexpected um, but that was pretty good um, we were there uh, I think in September or October, early October, sort of just recovering from the fires that went through Clathra two years ago. And, of course, um, there's some... Um, it's all happened again. It's all happened again, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's devastating. So, um, look, once, once I get um, our event out of the way... Um, uh, I might head down there and um, and see what can be done down there. Mm. Um, something that uh, I'd like to talk about just very quickly. Um, 
I'm assuming that the a lot of the experiences of Toby's uh, being in the in the seventies um, are probably quite similar to your own. Um, That's right. Yeah. Would you did you enjoy writing about uh, a childhood of the seventies? One of the great pleasures I got from writing the um, the, uh, the 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 story. I mean the the um, the the narrative's just there to form a structure around um, sort of um, slip and slides and um, <laughs> you know, fish and chips and, 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 and space invaders. And, and drags <laughs> to bikes with, with, with playing cards in the spokes. Yeah, exactly. Even the, um, you know, describing the wallpaper in my, my childhood um, uh, bedroom uh-huh. was... Um, was pretty tough. I mean, it, and so I had to actually find it and... and and you know this kind of like smiley, smiley face, gold, uh, you know, oranges and browns, sort of. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun, and I, th- I think it was um, it was really good for me to, to to do that, just sort of track through all those um, all that ephemera of the mind. Um, you know, we have disappeared, sort of Australia, really. When I first started back in the um, the mid '90s, mobile phones weren't really even a thing. So, I wrote a my second book was a road book um, between this teenager and a, her cousin driving from Sydney to to Brisbane, and a lot of it right. a lot of it um, centered around looking for the next phone so they could put fifty cent coin in the phone and and call mum and let her know she was all right. And, yeah, right. And that book hasn't hasn't aged well because you know young people read it now and they go, "What what the hell are you doing with this? Just just ring her up, just text her and tell her you're fine." Well, it's a little bit different in in the early nineties. We didn't have that, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 incredibly interesting um, that we mark sort of the the changes, and um, I um, I imagine that a, a child of uh, you know. My character's age of, you know, sort of ten or eleven would look at um, the, the the free range um, liberties of ever ever child, uh, you know, of a uh, childhood of the seventies, as um, with no phones or um, um, I don't know, internet, as, as being sort of um, some sort of some sort of torture, train of really. science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I just wanted to ask you very quickly about um, how you found writing writing a boy who's a bit of a thinking boy, an emotional boy. How how did that work for you? Because uh, a, lot, a lot of the times uh, the, the, the trope that we have with with middle grade fiction and boys is they're, they're sort of rough and ready and 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 so forth. But your Toby's a little bit more thoughtful than that. Can you talk talk about that a little bit? Um, well, I. I um Naively, I, I just wrote him as I saw him. I, I didn't um, I didn't set out to write him um, as you know some uh, uh, anti toxic masculinity or something. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not. I didn't write um, it reactively. I um, it's it, it's interesting. The same as songs, things. Things form in your mind um, are fairly fully formed, and um, um, they, they uh, you know, char- characters seemed really clear to me. I could see um, each of them, and I and I um, um, I could feel myself shift sort of physically um, when when 
sort of um, having to write or talk or think like them. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm really happy and really pleased um, and encouraged that you you would see him like that. I'm, 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 I'm really happy with that. Mm. Oh, that's good. He's a terrific character. Um, there's a lot more to talk about, but um, look, I'm really looking forward to talking to you at the uh, Kitten Club on the 3rd of February. Um, Likewise. You're going to play us some music on the night? Yeah, I'll play a few songs. Oh, yeah, good. I'd, I'd love to do that. Yeah, I've been, well, as, as well as um, the last couple of years, of years have been incredibly productive for me. I've written sort of a, you know, a, a long playing record of, new songs and I've got the book and, um, you know, and, and I'm just sitting here in a motel in Tamworth working on a sort of an animated musical. So it's really, um, it's really, um, a good time. So I'm looking forward to sharing, um, that with you. Now you and your musical, current musical collaborator, whose name has completely escaped me for the moment. Um, you've got some stuff on YouTube, which people might like to go and check out. What would they search if they wanted to find those two songs on YouTube? That project is called the uh, the Tall Grass. The Tall, that's um, right. The Tall Grass, yeah. Yeah. So I'll play one of theirs, but yeah, um, Crow or Peter Fenton or the Tall Grass. Yeah. Um, so if you look up yeah, Peter I'm, Fenton Tall Grass on YouTube, you'll find a couple of songs there that you can uh, you can enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, Thanks, thank James. thank you so much for talking to me, Peter. And uh, the book is called The Days of In Between by Scholastic Books Australia. And we will be having sales on the night, thanks to the Little Lost Bookshop in Katoomba. And Peter will happily I'll sign bring, those I'll bring for a you. Pen. Bring a, yeah. bring your pen and your guitar, and, and the rest we can okay. look after. All right. All right. Done. Thanks so Got much, mate. Thanks for chatting with okay. us. We'll talk to you Thank soon. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye. So that was Peter Valentine Fenton, and Peter is going to be our very special guest at the lead-off event for uh, 2020 at the Hemingway's Polydactyl Kitten Club and Speakeasy. Now, let's talk about that, because that's something that we are very proud of. It's a spoken word event that is held at the Avalon Cocktail Bar, 18 Katoomba Street. It is held on the first Monday of every month, so this this one will be the 3rd of February, Monday the 3rd of February, from 7 till 9, and it's a spoken word event. It's a bit like an open mic, but there's no music except in this instance where we're going to get Peter to do a couple of songs for us. But generally speaking, it's a uh, it's a spoken word event that is all about you. It's all about people who would like to come and read something they've written or share something they've found that really moved them from a storytelling point of view. You might like to read a poem. You might like to have a chat with, with the other people there about something that you read. Or you might just like to be an audience member and sit back with a drink and, and have a listen. But as I always say on the night, if you've ever harboured that suspicion that you would love to perform but you're a little bit frightened to do so, yes, it is a terrifying prospect. But this is a place to do it. It's a friendly audience. They're all very supportive. It uh, So just to give you those details again, 7pm at the Avalon Cocktail Bar at 18 Katoomba Street, Katoomba on the 1st Monday of each month. In this instance, it's the 3rd of February. It's $10 entry for adults, $5 concession. Young people are very welcome. We would love to have more young readers. And uh, on this occasion, books will be available for purchase and Peter can sign those. Uh, We'd love you to come along and we hope to see you there.
Another event that we'd like to let you know about is Personal Stories with Fiona Wright. This is a life writing masterclass in Blacktown. Uh, the date is Sunday the 23rd of February from 12.30 till 2.30pm. Uh, the workshop uh, is with poet and essayist Fiona Wright, who's written books such as Small Acts of Disappearance and The World Was Whole. And this two-hour workshop or masterclass explores some ways in which you can craft compelling writing in any form from raw experience and the detail of everyday life to ensure that your life writing matters to other people as well as yourself. It's intended for adults and senior secondary students. If you know somebody who is about to do uh, extension two, English, for example, and they would like to really get an, a, a handle on strong characters based on real people, this would be perfect. The cost is uh, $45 or $33 for student or concession. Numbers are pretty limited, uh, so if you would like to, uh, to secure a spot, email admin at westwords.com.au or call the office on 02-86774-815. It's going to be held at the Max Weber Library in Blacktown on Sunday the 23rd of February from 12.30 till 2.30. And as I say, spots are limited, so get on it. And finally, the first Westside Poetry Slam event of 2020 is going to be held on Wednesday the 19th of February. That's at 7pm. It's a free event held at 91B Gross Street, North Parramatta, which is the Westwards uh, Centre for Writing. Our feature poet on that evening is going to be Muhammad Awad. He's a health and psychology student working in mental health, striving to destigmatize mental health in diverse communities. He's also a writer, artist, musician, poet, and he claims he's running out of ways to express himself. I'm not quite sure that that's true, because he's pretty good. He's published in an anthology series, Arab Australian Other, with other writers such as Sarah Saleh and Randa Abdel Fattah. He's been featured in the Daily Telegraph, Honiswa magazine, and is a Bankstown Poetry Grand Slam finalist for three consecutive years. He was also a New South Wales State finalist in the 2019 Australian Poetry Slam and took first place in the Western Sydney Finals. He's also featured for Word in Hand, White Ribbon Events and Project Opinions, in addition to being featured on SBS Radio, Eastside Radio, 2SER and FBI Radio. So he's got runs on the board, folks, and he's going to be our special guest at the Westside Poetry Slam the first one for the year, Wednesday the 19th of February, 7pm. It's a free event, but get along. It'll be fun. This week we lost somebody from the Australian young adult writing community. Steph Bow was 25 years old, but when she was 16, her first book, uh, Girl Saves Boy, was published. And she went on to publish two further books, All This Could End and Night Swimming. But uh, last year she was diagnosed with lymphoma and after having a, a bone marrow transplant not that long ago, she passed away this week. And of course the tributes are flowing because Steph was very well known, very well loved. She was a, a, a young writer who had talent far beyond her years. But more importantly, for a lot of us, we found that Steph was very gracious with her success and was always looking to improve. She was always happy to sit down and either help those who needed her help or to listen and learn from those who'd been doing it a little bit longer. Someone who knew Steph very well is Sydney young adult writer Gabrielle Tozer, who joins me on the line now. G'day Gabrielle. I'm sorry to be chatting with you under these circumstances. I only found out uh, that uh, Steph had passed away last night somewhat by accident. Um, you were reasonably close to Steph. We spent a bit of time with her over the years at festivals and so forth. What, what sort of, uh, what can you tell us about Steph, the the person, and Steph, the writer? Oh, thanks for having me, Jane. Um, I'm far from alone in what I'm about to say, which is 
Jeff was just such a rare, rare person in in the world. She was genuinely one of the nicest people you will ever meet. And I know people say that about people, but she was just like human sunshine and lovely and wise beyond her years. Mm. Um, she she was only in her mid-twenties when she passed and that blows my mind because she already has three books under her belt, but on top of that is still such a lovely, generous person. So it kind of goes beyond just being, you know, top-line friendly. She was just so generous with her time. I know that she helped a lot of authors kind of make their introduction into the Australian YA yeah, I was making this point to someone um, actually last evening after I found out. I was saying actually to my wife that the thing about uh, Steph that really struck me was that, well, as you say, she, at 25 she still felt like she'd been around forever because because her first book came out at 16. But she was always, to me, she seemed um, keen to learn from those around her who had a few more runs on the board, but at the same time she was always generous with her own feedback and so forth so she was yeah i think what you're saying is absolutely right she was quite a mature soul she was but so respectful yeah absolutely she was super mature but also wanting to learn and also help like we've been to a few um of the young writers festivals together which are amazing because it means you get to spend an entire long weekend together and get to know each other further and she would come and support you know if i was running workshops she would come and take my workshops and that type of thing as well. So she was always learning and refining and, and kind of help. But then at the same time, then helping other writers go on their journey as well. So mm. I once saw her take on a room full of, of, um, <laughs> of adults in, uh, at the New South Wales Writers' Centre Festival where uh, they were saying, oh, young kids aren't reading this and kids aren't reading that and kids don't do this and the other thing. And she, she t- turned around and took on about 30 of them single-handedly and it was one of the most mm. impressive things I've mm. ever seen. And she it's all passion. So, uh, yeah, she will be sadly Absolutely. missed. Oh, 100%. She'll be so missed. Um, it's such a treasured part of our, our little YA community. And like one of the veterans in a way, like younger than pretty much all of us, but has such an amazing number of books mm. under her mm. belt. Um, but that was one thing with Steph as well. Like, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't touch on it before. But, yeah, her passion and her ability to um, very articulately make her point. Mm. I've been on panels with her before as well where similar thing, people have asked questions or, you know, made a comment from the audience and, She's been able to kind of explain her point very, very clearly and everyone's kind of taken a step back. <laughs> um, it was very, very impressive. The other thing that uh, that always impressed me about Steph when I saw her in action was when she would go get up in front of a, a group of students at, say, Somerset or out of school or wherever and, uh, you know, people like myself who are the other side of 50 now and you know, we, we have runs on the board and, and we can talk about the craft of writing but there was something really special about seeing a room full of 15-year-olds watching someone like Steph come in and, and just lay it all on the table as to what she did as a as a, as a craftsperson. Did you see that side of her? Absolutely. And I've even seen that play out in the tributes. There's been some really beautiful tributes that have come from readers who have, you know, who saw her come into their high schools when she was 
16, 17, 18. And she was reflecting back that that teenage experience, not just in her books, but in real life. So um, that, that meant so much to her. Um, sorry, that meant so much to, to readers as well. Mm. And it, I think it gave some writers confidence that, wow, you know, Steph, Steph was following her her passion and maybe I could give that a go as well. And yeah. oh, it's, just so, it's so impressive because I've always loved writing as well. But I tell you, I wasn't, writing a novel and getting it published by 16, you know what I mean? I was stuffing around and, and daydreaming about being an author, but I wasn't putting in the hard work and I just admired everything about her because she, you know, she just amazing she also had some pretty impressive sartorial um aspects to her personality i i usually when i go to a school girl i'm usually mm. struggling to find a t-shirt that i've ironed but she'd always turn up <laughs> looking <laughs> looking a million bucks she was always very well dressed and well presented which is neither here nor there oh. from an artistic point of view but everyone always noticed steph because she was uh she oh was the queen of the the queen of the statement frock it cannot be denied and i too love a frock but hers were next level beautiful oh totally um she always looks so well put together and it was just, I think for her, it's more of a reflection of, I was like reflecting her, uh, reflecting her personality. And mm. I love that that was still something that, you know, that she did. And in a way, it kind of gave me a little bit of confidence to still stick with wearing <laughs> my dresses and all that as well, because, you know, she just did it with such chilled out attitude. It was just who she was and she was not, she was, I saw someone say that the other day. It was like, who Steph was on stage was who she was behind the scenes as well. And mm-hmm. it was just, Gabrielle Tozer, thank you so much for um, for chatting with me. I, I'm sorry that it wasn't under better circumstances, um, but I, I know that you and everyone else in the YA community is um, is feeling a little bit poorer tonight, knowing that uh, the lovely Steph Bow isn't with us. And uh, but we have three wonderful books plus a whole lot of wonderful blogging and memories to remember Steph by. So uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's still very very surreal, but. Um... It's lovely to hear people sharing so many amazing stories about her and, yeah, our thoughts are just with her family and friends at the moment. Indeed. Thanks so so much, Gabby. So that's it for this week. If you have any inquiries or comments or questions about anything we've talked about in this podcast, please get in touch with Westwards by going to westwards.com.au. You can call the office on 02 8677-4815 or you can email admin at westwords.com.au We'll be back in a fortnight with more but until then, stay safe and happy creating.